This episode of the Get in the Game podcast is presented by Sports Spectrum and the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. We invite you to check out our website, sportsspectrum.com, for more content on the intersection of faith and sports. Articles, devotionals, podcast episodes, videos, all right there at one spot, sportsspectrum.com. While there, you can also subscribe to our magazine. You can get a subscription for one year for just $18, or you can save money by signing up for a two-year subscription for just $30. It's a great deal, makes a great gift for somebody in your family, or if you're wanting the content for yourself, go ahead and subscribe as well, sportsspectrum.com. While there, also check out our newsletter. You can sign up for that and get devotionals, stories, all sorts of content to your email inbox each week for free. All of it right there on sportspectrum.com. Now, let's get in the game. Hello, welcome to Get in the Game podcast with your host, Scott Lyman, former MLB star and current water mission advocate. Oh yeah, and he also happens to be our dad, so let's dive right in. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Scott Linebrink, here with the Get in the Game podcast. And I'm here with Nick Ahmed, the shortstop for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Nick's a two-time Gold Glove winner. And I've gotten to know Nick over the last few years and just really appreciate the leadership that he brings to that team. Uh, Nick's a great man of faith, uh, very involved with different ministries and serving. And obviously, that's the focus of this podcast and an encouragement to others of what it means to get in the game, what it means to move beyond just faith being about words and it uh, turning into more action. And so I'm anxious to dive in with Nick and talk about some of those experiences, get his perspective on what it means to serve. Nick, welcome. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. Uh, just real quick, as you're, as you're introducing you know, your podcast and me, I had this thought. Uh, I love the name of the podcast, Get in the Game. I think uh, in terms of serving, which is the, the basis of this podcast, that's such a great name and, and great thing for people to do is get in the game. And in so many areas of life, um, you know, whether that's your personal health or your job or taking the next step and whatever life has to offer, if you just get in the game and just take that first step, things will start to unfold. So I, I love that. Yeah, I appreciate that, Nick. Um, you know, it's easy to talk about serving this time of year when we're around Thanksgiving, Christmas. Um, but you look at where we've been as a society over the last couple of years. There's been a lot of isolation, a lot of people that have not been able to to get out and do maybe some of the things in their community that they're accustomed to doing. And you really look at some of the negative impacts that that's had to whether it be mental health, depression. Um, I know suicide rates are up. I really think that a lot of that goes back to just your your focus on yourself instead of getting out and focusing on others. Would you agree? 100%. I think the isolation that's occurred in the last two years has been so detrimental for so many people. And for myself, I'm very thankful. I have a wife and three beautiful kids. And that time that we had together where we weren't uh, able to go out and do a lot of things, we were still together. Uh, but a lot of people don't have that. A lot of people are you know, single or by themselves and they, they're missing out on that community. So uh, community is such a big thing. You need it. You got to have it. And I uh, just encourage everybody to try to find that in whatever way you can. Awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit about you, um, how you have really nurtured that desire to serve. 
Um, well, first, let's go to your faith background. Could you, you, you've got a great faith testimony. Could you give us that in just a couple of minutes? Sure, of course. So the way I grew up, I grew up in Massachusetts, up in the Northeast. I uh, grew up in a family that was Catholic. Uh, my grandparents on my mom's side, they went to church every single day and went to the mass every single morning. And my mom, she taught uh, in the CCD program, which is kind of like Sunday school. And she drugged me out of bed every Sunday morning and went to church, uh, at least till we got to about high school uh, when sports kind of started to take over. But I had that uh, background. I had that introduction, but I didn't necessarily see it, um, you know, really impact my life at all. I didn't have a relationship with God. I had a Bible in my nightstand as a kid all the way through uh, high school. And I moved out to go to college and I was, you know, cleaning and moving and doing things to get ready to go to college and open my, my nightstand drawer. And I saw a Bible in there and I was like, I, that thing never got open and just collected dust. So, uh, I had an introduction to church, had an introduction to God, but I didn't have any relationship with him. Uh, I went off to college and I didn't have anybody waking me up on Sunday mornings to go to church. Uh, so I stopped going, uh, and I went through college and ended up playing baseball at UConn, got drafted in 2011. Uh, and then went off on my own. I didn't have the structure of a college baseball team and roommates and, you know, a schedule laid out for me all the time, like the college athletic scene kind of is. And I had put all my hopes and all my desires and all my aspiration and identity in being an athlete and being a baseball player and being a successful one. And I thought since I was a little kid, my dream was to play professional baseball. Uh, I watched my first game on TV uh, as a young kid, and I was like, that's it. That's what I want to do. So after I got drafted out of college, I was like, this is it. This is going to fill me and satisfy me and give me everything I ever wanted to do. Uh, and I had a nice little signing bonus. I had some money and was able to buy a first car and, you know, do some really cool things from the worldly standpoint and what I thought was going to make me happy. Uh, and I started to realize pretty quickly I was still empty. I was still missing something. Uh, I didn't know what it was at the time. So I just dove in deeper into trying to be the best player I could uh, striving for that success and achievement each and every day. Uh, and I had a couple, you know, obstacles along the way. Some adversity popped up. Uh, my grandfather died in 2012. Uh, and that was really the first time as, you know, an adult or someone who could really process things that uh, I started to think about death and life and what are we all doing here. Uh, and then the next year I ended up getting traded, uh, which was kind of difficult for me. Uh, I hopped into a new organization uh, a new group of guys that had been together for a couple years and didn't necessarily fit in or connect right away. was doing a long-distance relationship with my wife, Amanda, who we were engaged at the time. And that relationship was rocky. And then on the field, I just sucked, man. I was the worst baseball player you could possibly imagine. And, you know, for all the baseball fans out there, I'll share this. Uh, I played every single day for two months and don't know why I kept playing. I, f I was so bad. Um, at the end of two months, I was hitting 137. Had no home runs and one RBI. Ooh. So, yeah, it was it was as bad as it gets. So every day I had, I didn't know what to call it at the time, but I had anxiety, I had depression, I had worry, I had fear, uh, and I had nowhere, no way to know how to do deal with any of it. And my manager at the time was a guy named Andy Green, uh, incredible man of faith, and he helped me walk through some of it. And he would call me into his office and he'd sit me down. He'd say, hey, Nick, how you doing today? And I was just shocked. I was like, hey, are you, are you really you really care about me and how I'm doing and not just how I'm performing out in the field? Uh, and he opened my eyes to being a man of faith in the game of baseball. And he invited me to a Bible study and got introduced to an organization called Baseball Chapel. 
which is incredible. Pastors come into the ballpark and, you know, lead a, a church service essentially at the park. So I had a couple things happen right there in that year in, in 2013, which helped me grow in my faith. I got my first Bible, which I started to read. Uh, and I came to a passage in James, uh, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And I realized that I was doing life my way and God wanted me to do it a completely different way. And I actually ended up giving my life to Christ on the field in the middle of a game, hot night in Mobile, I had two terrible at-bats again to start the game. And I just realized I had no, no clue how to live life and I was jacking it up real bad. So I ran out between the fourth and fifth inning to shortstop. I didn't take ground balls between innings to kind of warm up the arm or whatever. And I just turned around and faced center field, closed my eyes and prayed and asked God to come into my life and surrendered my way of living and said, I'm going to trust you and follow you. Uh, and I felt the Holy Spirit come in. I felt this overwhelming sense of peace and uh, just been walking with God ever since. Right there in the middle of the game, middle of the field. Wow. I don't yeah. know if I've ever heard a story like that. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even know at the time to call it salvation or what was happening. I just was hurting and broken and knew I needed God's help. So I just cried out to him, uh, asked him to come into my life. And I didn't actually tell anybody for a long time because I didn't have any context for like what happened. It was just a, a desperate moment. And then finally, after I understood like what actually happened, I was like, man, that's kind of, you know, that wasn't legit. It didn't happen in a church for the pastor and an altar call. Uh, so I didn't necessarily share my story right away. I felt like it wasn't, it wasn't the real deal. Um, but the more I've got to share my story, the more I understand that, yeah, God will meet you right where you are and you don't have to be with a pastor or a priest in a church to do it. And, uh, yeah, I just used the game that I love to bring me to him. What a great story. Um, I can relate to that too, because my faith testimony so much parallels my journey in baseball and baseball is one of those great equalizer games. I mean, it will bring you to the bottom of the bottom and, and bring you to a level of depravity maybe that you've never had before. Um, and it did the same thing for me, too. I, I was just tired and exhausted from trying to, to go after success and, and realizing that the game was my idol and really just coming to a point, like you said, to cry out. But, um, you know, that's the encouragement, I think, to everybody listening is that God, like you say, God meets us wherever we are. Um, he just wants us to come to him, and he can – all we have to do is make the request, and he can do the rest of the work. Exactly. Yeah. And the great thing, too, is that we come as we are, but he doesn't keep us how we are. Uh, and he changes us and transforms us, and uh, you don't have to have it all perfect or figured out to come to God. And you don't have to clean up your mess. You just come messy as you are, and uh, he accepts you exactly how you are. So – now that you're a new creation, now that you have been changed into the image of Christ, uh, let's talk about how your life looks different now. And um, one of the things that I think I see often whenever I look at a guy like, man, there's something different about him, is, is his desire to serve or his um, intent on serving others. What does that look like for you in a major league clubhouse as you navigate that? Because there's a lot of people listening to this show that might really – be interested in, man, what is it like to be a Christian in a major league clubhouse? Yeah, so it can be tough at times, um, but I'll share this. So when I first got called up to the major leagues, I was just on a mission. I wanted to be the best player I could and still had that identity rooted in success and achievement, which Christ was trying to work out of me, um, but I was just all in. So I showed up to the ballpark every day, and I give the analogy of a, a racing horse with the blinders on, and I was just like locked in on my routine 
you know, just completely focused on a mission to do what I had to do that day to prepare and get ready for that game and play the game well. And in the process of having those blinders on, I never saw my teammates around me. And, you know, I would walk past them, say, hey, how you doing? And, you know, before they could even answer, I was already two feet past them. And, you know, I didn't realize at the time, but I was being a crappy teammate and I wasn't serving and I wasn't there to help anybody out. I was just there for myself. Um, and I was a believer at the time. I was a young believer and uh, I needed to change. And God's got a hold of my heart and he wants me to serve inside the clubhouse. And for everybody, that might look a little bit different. And for me, that's just taking those blinders off. And so what I do is I still show up every day with the same intent, uh, the same routine, the same, you know, preparation. I'm going into every game the most prepared, the most um, ready to go as I possibly can be to go out and do my job really well on the field. But I take the blinders off and I just build in a little bit of time margin uh, for some interruptions, for some God interruptions. And, you know, that can happen through a conversation with a teammate. It can be just, you know, just observing and seeing how people are doing that day and, you know, noticing, hey, this guy looks like he's struggling today and maybe I'm going to go eat lunch with him today during, you know, during the day and see how he's doing, just check in. Or, you know, after a guy struggles with an at-bat or a bad outing, just, you know, giving him a call after a game and saying, hey, man, you're doing all right. And uh, just really taking those blinders off and just trying to be aware of my teammates and see, the, see them where they're at and try to be an encouragement wherever I can. Yeah, so, you know, that's, that brings up a great point because we all have – we think we have a certain amount of capacity, um, whether it's, you know, at home with the family, in our jobs. It's like I only have enough time for this and I can't afford to, you know, spread myself too thin or beyond this, because if I do that, then I won't do this well. If I give myself away over here, then that's going to sacrifice from something else. But but that's not what Jesus tells us. He says to give our life away and by giving it away, we'll actually gain it. Yeah. That's tough. I mean, time is, is limited. You know, we only have 24 hours in a day and, um, you know, you still have a job to do to go out and do that on the field and, you know, have a wife and kids just like you do. And um, walking through that, it's it's tough. Time management is key. And just trying to understand that, um, like you said, you're not here for yourself. Uh, you're here for others and you're here to love them and serve them the way God has loved and served you. So uh, I'm just trying to lay my life down at home uh, for my wife and kids, uh, knowing how difficult and how much of a struggle it is uh, for my wife while I'm gone most of the year. And uh, when I'm home, I try to be as present as I can for her and, you know, give her time to even just go take a shower and, you know, maybe take a nap or sleep in one day or do whatever she needs to do uh, so I can take care of the kids and help out. But uh, just being present where you are and um, making that time for people, uh, whether it's at home with your family or at the field for, for your teammates and coaches. So you talked about at the field, you talked about at home. What about in your community? Um, players often have a lot of chances to pour back into their community or where you live in the off season. What does that look like for you? Yeah, so in the past, I, I've done a lot of speaking events where I get to go out and share my faith. And, you know, whether that's at a church or a camp or something like that, uh, something I've really enjoyed doing. Uh, you know, we grow through each other's testimonies. So uh, it's something I enjoy doing is sharing that. And uh, I've worked with FCA a decent amount. Um, back home in the Northeast is, uh, it's a tough area for, for being a Christian. There's not a lot of us back there. Uh, but at the same time, that's a huge opportunity to reach out and, and share the gospel with those people. So hosting an FCA baseball camp, uh, back in my hometown area has been, been special, uh, something I've really enjoyed doing and just kind of pouring back into the next generation of baseball players, uh, that are coming up and teaching them that it's not just about the game. There's so much more to live for. 
Talk a little bit about your your stewardship from a financial standpoint too. What what kind of things get you really excited in terms of investing, and and why would you invest your your money? Yeah, money's always a tough topic, and um, you know it's it's a difficult thing to to let go and open your hand. But once you really fully understand that, you know all the money that we do have, you know no no matter how much we have from a material standpoint. Everything that we have is God's, and it's it's good practice for me to teach my young kids that, um, as you know, their toddler age and learning to share and things like that. Um, just teaching them that what we have is not our own, so sharing and giving should come and flow naturally because everything is God's; it's all His. And if we can have that mindset when we wake up every day that what I have is not mine; it's truly God's, and I'm just a steward and manager of that. Uh, becomes easier to open your hand and give and just be generous with everything. Yeah, that's a great analogy to to sit in that posture with open hands and hear God. You give this to me, but but I offer it back to you. Use it as you would would use it. And uh, I've heard it often said that you know not only can we give that back then, but God can also bless us with more. And not to say that that we give so that we get back. But, you know, folks that want to clench their, their hand and hold on to what they've got instead of letting it go, not only can you not give it, you can't receive it either. So yeah. that's a great, great analogy that yeah. you use there. Um, so talk a little bit about, uh, I know you've had some opportunities to, to go into the mission field, to, to go beyond your local community, but to get um, an exposure to, to global opportunities um what you went to the dominican republic as i recall yeah so i have a have had the opportunity to work on a couple different fundraising uh projects uh first through food for the hungry uh and then with compassion international uh two great organizations that are doing incredible work in some of the poorest and toughest areas of the world uh third world countries just working with people on life-saving necessities like clean water and food uh so the time we got to go to the dominican republic uh, we had a year-long fundraising campaign that was kind of uh, around you know, just kind of leveraging what I'm doing on the baseball field and trying to get people to partner with me. Uh, every time I got a hit, my wife Amanda and I donated some money to a fund, and we just asked fans to kind of do the same. And we raised a decent chunk of money, and we're able to, uh, through Food for the Hungry and the partners they have down there, uh, build this water center, uh, water sanitation and clean water for people to drink. Uh, in the community. It was called uh, El Magote. It was up in uh, the kind of rural mountain areas of the Dominican Republic. Uh, and this is just life-changing. We just take so many things for granted here in our country. Uh, we can go to, you know, four or five different rooms in our house and flick on the faucet, and there it is, running water. Um, you know, we've got clean, filtered water to drink whenever we want. So uh, that's not a reality for a lot of the world. And once I understood and realized that, I wanted to get in the game and help um, and it was so God ordained when we were down there, we had no clue this was going to happen. The day we were down there was the exact day they finished and completed the water system in the community. Uh, so they had this entire event planned, uh, where they brought the whole community in. There was probably, I don't know, 800 or a thousand people that came in and, uh, just to hear the people, uh, and how much gratitude they had for just a simple, you know, ability to go somewhere and get some running water and clean water and, you know, not have to walk, you know, miles each direction with a bucket to fill it up in the river and bring it back and to know that that water wasn't even safe or clean for their family, uh, just how simple it was for this life-changing water system. And we were there for that day that it opened just to hear the people's response was incredible. 
I was able to go with my brother and my uncle and just to share that with them was extremely special. What a great story. Uh, you and I have talked about that in the past and my work with water mission, I've actually never seen that, that commissioning ceremony. I've seen pictures and I've heard about it, but, um, what, what a cool experience like you described right there of that community and, and being changed forever. Right. I mean, generations up to that point have had to deal with bad water yeah and now after this project now they're on a new trajectory yeah so what we don't fully understand is that it helps the health of the community uh the kids and the families and the people aren't getting sick from waterborne diseases uh which is absolutely incredible uh, and then the kids the kids can go to school and the the parents can work uh so it changes their financial situation and their future and their education so uh, just a simple water system in a community, not even in the in the people's homes, uh, but just centered in the community is absolutely life-changing. Nick, talk about how that made you feel. I mean, you, you talk about how that changed your perspective. It opened your eyes. It was a great experience. Um, can you expand a little bit beyond, like, w- deep down, how did that, that touch your heart? Yeah, so it gave me motivation. I think that was the biggest thing I came away with was motivation to do more and motivation to keep playing the game I love and, you know, make as much money as I can, not for my own kingdom, but just to try to help out and give as much away as I can and uh, to hopefully change the lives of a lot more people. Well, what a great example, too, of how you used your platform. You got the fans involved. Um, you know, people love to align themselves with their favorite athlete just because, you know, they, they love them as an athlete. But if you can turn that then for good and get them involved in something else that benefits other people, what a great way to serve. Yeah, it was special. And uh, it's something that's, you know, not easy to do to take a chunk of time in the off season to take a mission trip to a foreign country when uh, I want to put my suitcase in the basement and never see it till till spring training rolls around. But uh, it was incredibly uh, life impacting and uh, something I'm going to keep trying to do in the future. So for other athletes or anyone listening to this show, um, I often get the question, how do you, how do you decide what you've really been called to, to do as far as serving? How do, how do you know, what, what, what does that process for you look like? Or how did you determine where, where does God have me serve? Yeah. For Amanda and I, my wife, Amanda and I, it took a little bit of time. It took some praying it took some reflecting and what we did was we sat back and we, we had our first child back in 2016 and we brought him home from the hospital and we were just floored with the idea that some families cannot provide food for them. They cannot provide clean water for their children. And just to know that God has blessed us with the opportunity to provide for our children and know that we're passionate about a few things. We're passionate about health. We're passionate about food. Uh, we're passionate about taking care of our bodies. So uh, to know that some families can't do that and they can't provide uh, not only healthy things for their their children and families, but uh, life-saving things and necessities of, of a meal and clean water to drink uh, was something that as a professional athlete, you know, I need, you know, to do my job really well. And knowing that we are just so thankful to provide that for our children and know that people can't do that for theirs is, is how we kind of found our, our calling. Having kids kind of changes the game for you, doesn't it? Oh, man, 100%. 100%. It's such a good exercise in seeing how selfish you really are. And your time, um, you know, how much of it, not not that you wasted, but you just use on yourself. And uh, kids take up a lot of time, and it's extremely worth it. But it uh, just opens your eyes to see um, your selfishness and how much you really need to start thinking about other people. Mm.
I want to uh, read uh, or summarize a story from the Bible, and, um, and I've come across this recently. I think it's a great story for all of us to really take a deep look at when we're considering serving and what God calls us to do. It's a story of Jesus during his ministry when he's traveling around the countryside, he's preaching to people, and in this one particular instance in Mark chapter 6, he's around a lot of people. These people are really just following along because they're, they're wanting to see him do miracles or they're wanting to get a free meal. And in this particular story, it's getting late in the day, and the disciples are kind of you know, looking at the hour of the day. They're looking at the limited resources that they have in terms of how are they going to feed these people and the number of people that are hanging around. And they, they basically ask Jesus, you know, what would you have us do? And Jesus looks at them and says, well, you feed them. Um, so this is really, you know, kind of a, a, a call to the disciples by Jesus. He calls them out and he says, you know, why are you asking me? Um, and I think so often, you know, we get caught up in, you know, well, somebody needs to go fix that. Somebody needs to fix that problem. Something needs to change instead of, no, I need to take personally personal responsibility for that. How, how would you suggest we make that transaction? Yeah, it's such a good story, and it's incredible that the God of the universe who sustains and controls everything invites you and me into what he's doing in the world. Um, just thinking about that is, is mind-blowing, and he wants us to partner with him to make an impact in someone's life. Um, whether that's meeting a physical need or giving an encouraging word or sharing the gospel with someone, uh, we have the opportunity to, to serve. Uh, and the disciples in that, they just felt they had nothing to give, nothing to offer. And, you know, they basically only had five loaves and two fish. And they just brought it to Jesus and they said, hey, this is all we got. And when we bring what we've got to Jesus, he multiplies it and some crazy things happen. That's a great take on it right there. I love that. Yeah, yeah. So you're exactly right. And, you know, we think, oh, I only have this. But God says, no, just give me what you've got. He doesn't demand any more than what we can give. And then he does the rest. He multiplies it. Um, thank you for that. Uh, I'm going to ask one last question here. What, what excites you most about future opportunities to serve? And, and how do you maybe see yourself serving uh, even this coming year or beyond baseball in the future with your kids? What does that look like for you? Yeah, so as my kids get older, I'm excited to serve with them and just teach them uh, and leave with them a legacy of service and to take them with me in the places that I'm going and the, and the ways that Amanda and I are serving our communities. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited to get my kids involved in the game, get them in the game, uh, and hopefully make that something that's a huge part of their lives. Uh, and then a personal thing, just trying to, take something that I'm really passionate about, uh, which is health, uh, and health encompasses so many things, means so many different things to so many different people. Um, but I have a, a all encompassing, you know, view of health that is spiritual, physical, mental, and encompasses so many different things and something I'm passionate about. I've studied and researched and learned about and implemented in my own life. And I'm just passionate to share that with people. Uh, and I think the last two years have been really tough, uh, going through COVID and, and just understanding how susceptible uh, we are to, you know, being struck with viruses and sicknesses and knowing that there's practical things that we can do on a day-to-day -day basis to, to help our physical health, um, to go out there and be lights for God in the world. Because uh, if we're sluggish and don't sleep well and unhealthy and um, in pain all the time, 
uh, we're not going to be able to go out and do the things God wants us to do. So uh, I've learned so much and applied it to my life about health. Uh, and I think health is something that we steward. And I'm excited to share that with people, what I've learned. Well, I appreciate all that you share, your knowledge, uh, your generosity, your time. Um, these are all great examples and hopefully an encouragement for others on this show. Nick, I really appreciate you being here. Thanks for sharing. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for having this incredible podcast. Thank you for listening to the Get in the Game podcast with Scott Weinbrink, part of the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. You can connect with Scott and follow him on Twitter at Scott Weinbrink. We want to invite you to subscribe to the other shows on our network. We'd also love for you to check out our Sports Spectrum magazine, full of great stories and content covering the intersection of sports and faith. You can subscribe at sportsspectrum.com. It's $18 for an entire year subscription. Again, the website to subscribe is sportsspectrum.com. Thanks so much for listening.